Welcome to Conversations With. My name is Shaley Hugendorn and I live with Bipolar 2 Disorder. Sharing with others is healing both individually and collectively. Sharing our stories will educate others, bring more understanding, shed more light and smash more stigma. Our voices need to be heard. Our stories aren't over yet. This is Bipolar. Hi everyone, welcome back to This is Bipolar Conversations with. I'm super pumped today because I have someone that we've been trying to connect for a while. But if this is your first time, my name is Shaylee Hugendorn. Um, I live in Vancouver, Canada, also known as the unceded territory of the Quiquitlam and Katesi First Nations. I My pronouns are she, her. I'm a mom. I am a wife and a fierce mental health advocate. And I'm really excited that Allison is here. And I am going to get you to listen to her tell us about Allison. Yes. Hello, Shaylee. First of all, thank you for having me on and for sharing this space with me. I'm so excited to connect with you and to connect with your listeners. This is such a beautiful opportunity. I remember stumbling upon your page and I was like, <gasps> I've been looking for this because you were the first page I found on Instagram that was really dedicated specifically to bipolar disorder. And I don't know, I don't think I even told you this, but at the time I was rebranding my business and Mm. I was finally ready to let people know that I was bipolar. And I was finally ready to start sharing that part of me and seeing your story and seeing how authentically and loudly you were showing up inspired me in the next day or two, I got on my podcast and I was like, here's a episode of my bipolar and BPD. And I just like opened up. And so your Instagram, was actually so inspirational for me oh thank you for telling me that I never know and it gets kind of lonely so that really that really warms my heart thank you yes of course and then my introduction hello you guys I'm Allison Toth I'm the host of the wishing you wellness podcast it's kind of a podcast that's like mental health and spirituality put together in a sandwich like those two hand in hand nice I'm a crisis crisis intervention specialist I work for the national suicide prevention hotline it's called Mm -hmm. lifeline national I also work for a disaster and distress relief hotline so I'm usually just helping put out fires uh, metaphorically and helping de-escalate people and kind of just get them to a better place so they're ready to receive either resources help or further stabilization. Um, in my free time, I like world traveling. I love to be active. I like playing soccer, getting outside. And I love to write and be creative. Also mm-hmm. very big into musical theater. Anything that lets me tap into my creative side, sign me up. Yeah. Yeah. And definitely go follow her Instagram because it is colorful and fun. And yeah, it just, it just made me happy. I was like, Oh, this is so uplifting. So yay, the amazing work that you're doing. I'm excited to to dive in and learn even, even more of your story. Um, Where I would love to start, Allison, I would love to start maybe where did you notice that maybe something was a little different or you were struggling or if you didn't notice and maybe someone in your life did, I'd love to go back and just unpack that if you're willing. Totally. So I would say about 
junior high is when things started to become obvious to the point where I couldn't ignore it anymore. I was really, really struggling in my relationships because some days I would have all of this energy and I would be like little miss life of the party. And then other days I wouldn't want anyone near me. And I would just be like, so down, just down really hard. And when I was in junior high, I started writing books and I was like writing pages upon pages upon pages in a single night. And when I turned like I think it was like 15. I published a book on Amazon. It's not good. It was definitely, <laughs> first of all, don't go read it. It was not good. I was definitely super manic and just like type, 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 type. But that's kind of when I noticed something is not quote unquote normal. Like yeah. most kids my age do not have the energy or the headspace to sit mm. down and write a book. So why do I, am I incredibly gifted? Is something else going on? And so as I got older and older, I just recognized this pattern that felt like waves in my life. It would like build, 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 swell up. I'd have all of this energy. I'd be accomplishing everything. And then all of a sudden it would crash down and I wouldn't be able to hardly go to school because I was so, so down and feeling so sad. And yeah, I would say that's where it started. And then it kind of started to grow in high school. And that's when I really noticed that something was up. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And you probably thought it was the best book ever, right? Oh my God. Like all of the businesses I started before this one that I'm currently running, we're all started on a whim. We're yep. all started without LLC licenses. Like I was yep. just having ideas and like, all right, let's run with it. And so this time in my business, I've done things very differently. I was like, all right, yep. first, first LLC, then we're going to do tax shit. And we are just going to like prioritize yeah. all of the little details instead of getting so sucked into the big picture and like the flashy Instagram posts and like lots yeah. of followers. Yeah. Yeah. The, this podcast, Julie and I were both, um, like probably low hypomanic, if that makes sense. Like we were just kind of starting. Also, we had all this, um, like angsty energy because it was just when the world shut down and we were, so we also had the time and we're home and we were like, we were supposed to do one post. We were going to do one world bipolar day post. And then by the time we ended our FaceTime, we had like a show. <laughs> I love it. This, those moments that you're like, there are sometimes that I don't hate the fact that I'm bipolar and the older I yeah. get the more comfortable I become with it. I'm able to see like, there are some good parts. I love yeah. how creative I am. I love my burst of energy, but for a really long time, I tried to avoid medication because I didn't want it to dull my sparkle. Yes. And I learned the hard way. It's yeah. not going to dull your sparkle. It's going to keep you alive. So your sparkle can keep sparkling. Oh my gosh. Yes. Quote, quote of the day. Everybody write that down. Everybody write that down because it's so, it's so, so true. Right. And like you said, I was able to like finish projects or, um, you know, discern what was maybe uh, doable or, and or what was even a good idea, right. Instead of all of them. And I think that it's really important because what people that don't have bipolar disorder um, struggle to understand is how good it feels. And so it's hard for me when I'm in that to remember the crash. It's hard for me to remember that it gets bad because it's like my brain romanticizes it like, oh, remember how awesome that was? And it, then I need people. I actually have a phone reminder like it was not awesome. 
this affected your relationships this way. Like I have to actually read it because when you're depressed, I was talking to someone about this this morning, when you're depressed, you know, it's hard not to think, well, maybe if I just lower my medication, I just need a little bit of hypomania. Like, can we just bottle it up? And so I understand. And I know people get frustrated with us when we, you know, change our meds or switch our meds on our own. But I understand why I am not endorsing this. Do not do this. But, but um, yeah, I, I do understand it. Okay, so you're in high school, you're, it's becoming unmanageable. What do you do? Yeah, so at that point, I was like, hey, mom, hey, dad, something's not right. You know, I need to go to therapy. I'd been going to therapy since I was like 12. But I was like, I needed to do specific, like legitimate therapy where they're actually like talking to me. And I need to see a psychiatrist, I need to see if I can you know, start this journey. And so in high school, I was recommended to start medication. And I'm actually very glad I didn't because I was misdiagnosed originally in high school. They told me it was just BPD. And like, I had just turned 18 when I got the diagnosis because before 18, they're not supposed to give it. And when I turned 18 and went, they were like, we see BPD. We don't really see bipolar. And I was like, huh? Okay. So I went off to college thinking that it was just BPD. And I was like, interesting. But then I noticed things that were happening that did not fit the general characteristics of BPD, especially paranoia. And I was starting to like see things and hear things that weren't happening. And that's when I was like, okay, something is definitely not right. So that was in college. And I finally went to a psychiatrist who really sat and listened with me in college. And they were like, okay, it's kind of appearing like bipolar one and also BPD. So you get two, two disorders, lucky you. And there's like a bonus, bonus disorder. (laughs) There's like a, I think a 20% overlap in people with BPD and bipolar. And so there's really a chance. Uh And I can't remember which end it's on. I think people with bipolar have a 20% chance of getting BPD or BPD. And I would imagine it's because if you're not diagnosed correctly and you don't treat yourself, being bipolar is a traumatic experience. Like if you are not going to therapy, if you're not taking your medication, if you're not understanding the highs and lows in your brain, it is genuinely traumatizing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that. I think that it was a couple of years ago that I was talking to someone I used to interview um, just for She Loves Magazine. I, I did a sisters and mental illness kind of thing. And I was talking to people with all different types of diagnosed mental illnesses. And we were talking and I was like downplaying. I'm like, yeah, but I haven't had any big T trauma. And, uh, you know, but lately I've been feeling this or, or just talking about it. And she's like trauma expert. And she was like, your disorder is traumatic, like what you just said. And she said, and also your body stores the trauma memory. So even though when I wasn't, because I'm very cyclical, um, uh, and it was like easy to track kind of thing. And she said, you know, your body will have trauma anniversaries. So even though I don't get depressed at the same time, or I don't go into an episode, uh, I feel like I get uncomfortable and I feel it and I'm, it's in my body and I'm like, I feel unsteady and whatever. And she, yeah, that was really powerful. And it was, it was validating, right? Because sometimes I feel like, um, yeah, I feel because it's invisible illness, I feel like it's not, it's not completely completely valid. And then I also understand, but it was hard, hard to internalize that it isn't caught like it, it can be brought out. Mm. But bipolar is not caused by traumatic events, right? It's genetic. And I think once I 
Understood that. Yeah. And for those of you that are listening that don't know BPD, it's a borderline personality disorder that we're talking about when we say that, because I know sometimes um, people use, use it, the initials interchangeably. So I get, I get confused, but yes. Yeah. And the key difference I would say between BPD Mm -hmm. and bipolar is bipolar you're born with, like she said, it's genetic and BPD is actually a trauma response that you develop due to something, right. Due to question mark, whatever it is. And I tell people, it doesn't have to be big T trauma. My big T trauma didn't happen until my twenties, but I have always had these borderline tendencies. And it's just because I was a very sensitive child. I really, really, really craved like all this affection and love for my dad. Mm -hmm. And he was just kind of disconnected and he did a great job raising me, but my needs were at the time were like love and affection and to be understood and have my mental health, you know, taken into consideration that didn't happen. And so, you know, they're, they're so similar, but they're so different too. And the yeah. treatment plans are completely different. Yes. So that misdiagnosis can be really frustrating for some people because if they, you know, tell you, you have BPD and they're like, let's start you on an antidepressant to help close <gasps> and you're not taking anything else. Your mania is going to go. Boo! Yep. Yep. That's exactly what happened to me. I got diagnosed with depression. Yeah. Oh. And especially with bipolar two, because hypomania is kind of a more, uh, uh, you know, just as dangerous, but uh, a bit more muted. And so the shopping or the energy or the things, they were somewhat reasonable. Do you know what I mean? Like I wouldn't um, buy a boat, but I would spend like, you know, $200 on a shopping spree, which didn't uh, get us into too much trouble, but still we're out of character. And so, yeah. And um, from what I understand, and I don't have borderline personality disorder, but I've interviewed a few people. And from what I understand is that the difference too, is that it's personality, like it's a personality disorder and mood disorder is bipolar, yep. right? Correct. Yeah. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And then yeah. I feel like another one of those key differences is just kind of Bipolar, I think, obviously it does affect your relationships a lot, yeah. but I think bipolar affects you more. Like it gives you a hard time and BPD shows up in your relationships first. Right. And then eventually you're like, wait a second, everyone's walking out. Why is everyone giving yeah. up on me? And then you realize it's because your trauma responses are actually very hurtful to other people and they can actually be kind of dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. I have um, a friend that lives with borderline and I find that probably about once, and it's so beautiful that I know and that I've learned about it because about once a month, I get a message out of the blue, like about, do you still like me? Did I do anything? And it will be random. And if that, if I didn't understand, I would be uncomfortable or I would be like, what the heck? Like I didn't do what's going on. But because I understand that that's a, a symptom and that that's, um, attached to that, I have, you know, no problem just reassuring, reassuring her over and over again, every month, no matter what. Um, and just reminding her that I'm that I'm here to stay. And I really, I really noticed that. So if that's, you know, something coming up in relationships or in, in your life, that's something to to look into, or if you notice um, with other folks, because I think I might have, like, it sounds so mean, but I might have bailed because I would be like, so, um, overwhelmed yeah and yeah and overthinking it right like oh maybe I am continuing to do something wrong right and then I have bipolar disorder and so then I have the intrusive thoughts and if we didn't understand each other it might be like a big mess and I think that's why I mean 
I know that I'm here because of that. I want to explain that. And I, I know with your work, you, you do too. So you saw the psychiatrist. And so they said, did they say you have both or did they, the, Yes. Okay. Yep. Both was the answer. And they said like what they kept drilling into me is like, let's not get too hyper fixated. What am I yeah. hyper fixated on these diagnoses, on these taglines and do not go home and Google them. Yes. No. And what did I do? I went home and Googled them and trigger warning. It popped yes. up and said one in 10 people with BPD will kill themselves in their lifetime. And I was like, holy crap. Like, how do you sit there and look at the screen reflecting back that you have a nine and 10 chance of living. And I told my mom that, and originally she was like, well, those are great odds. That's like a 90%. And I was like, yeah, mom. So if they lined up you and nine other moms and they were like, one's getting shot, how would you feel? Very scared, very afraid. And that's how I felt the first time that I saw that. And another thing that I've saw seen a lot on social media or not social media, but like the internet is, um, like if you type in people with BPD, like celebrities before it pops that up, it'll pop up like serial killers and like criminals who have BPD and that's what they choose to put in the limelight. And I'm like, no, you guys, this is not how we help people. When people are fighting something that eyes can't see, we just need to be understanding and supportive or these people aren't going to have a chance in hell at getting better. No, no. Uh, Yeah. I, I completely agree. It's what's sensationalized, right? It's, 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 interesting it's and I have folks some folks come back that love someone that have been hurt by someone or maybe you know maybe there are certain folks that that stereotype or that has happened but that doesn't mean that it speaks for all of us we're not a monolith right and so but if that's only shown then that's all people are going to think I can literally be watching shows and I'll see a certain behavior. And there's always a stereotype of the like absentee artist mom with all her boyfriends. And as soon as that starts, I'm like, they're going to say it, don't do it. Don't do it. And I'm like, PS, I can't paint to save my life. (laughs) This is not a stereotype. This is not it. And I don't fit the archetype. I've never left my kids. Right. So I get, yeah, it's, it's really, really hard, but I love that since I've been doing this or been open about it, certain people will, will, are noticing it now and are, they'll tell me like, Hey, have you watched this? You know, make sure you're in a good place because it's misrepresented there. Or they'll send me, I don't know if you saw, have you ever seen the modern love episode with Anne Hathaway? I haven't. Oh my gosh. Okay. You have to go see it or I can just send you the the best. No, you have to see the whole thing. I want to so see it. Yeah. I feel like it was really represented well. And I feel like it, um, there was kindness in it showing it was extreme. It was probably extreme form of bipolar one, but it just showed more of her humanity. Right. And it showed other like acceptance and it explained why, you know, uh, we might not show up in something or we might be super amazing sometimes. And I just, I felt like there's not very often there's things like I was bawling, yeah. bawling, bawling, bawling. And I was like, okay, some, some folks are, are, are trying to understand. Right. But yeah, stereotypes are brutal. And I, even for me personally, I wouldn't look at things right away because I was so overwhelmed with the thought of it and grappling with it. I couldn't find anything else but scary facts, right? And I just wanted, and this is why I do what I do. I just wanted to see like another face 
that wasn't on TV, someone real, someone talking about what it's like, someone telling me like, your life isn't over. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, yeah, yeah, that's, that's really powerful. So tell me about I'm curious, and I get a lot of questions about this. um, And it's hard for me to remember because I'm a touch older. Um, Tell me about how how bipolar and borderline and all of it um, affected school? Like, how was that for you? How did you get through school? What was it like? Do you have any stories? This is such a good one. This is such a juicy one. You have no idea. I'm like, here we go. I'm ready. I'm ready. So I would say, obviously, it made me in high school just very creative, very fun. I was like president of all these clubs. I was super creative and outgoing. Then I got to college and Mm -hmm. we threw substances into the mix. And so very quickly the slope got slippery. And before I knew it, I was just like partying my life away for like three and a half years and wound up because of that with an addiction to benzos. And so I had to go through addiction recovery, which is hard enough just in general, but when you throw in disorders that like really prey on those like feelings of desperation and I'll do anything to stop feeling this way. It was my own living hell. And so I went through college and it was like up and down and up and down. And finally at the end, I graduated during 2020 in December. Like, yeah, as things are all crazy, I just fell off the deep end and things got really, really bad. And there was an entire year where I don't think I left my bed because I was so addicted to pills. And if I were to leave my bed without taking pills, I'd feel terrible. And I wasn't taking any other bipolar meds. I was taking those because they suppressed my mania. They suppressed me from feeling anything and made me a zombie. And before I knew it, like I was so addicted and I was also just a person I didn't recognize. And so in these last two years, it has truly been the journey home to myself and seeing Mm. the light come back to my eyes and watching what sobriety does for me and watching like how beautiful my life can be. Because one thing about both BPD and bipolar is we're more prone to substance abuse, right? Because we're impulsive. We don't really think things through quite as much as the average person. And so I was just really susceptible and in a vulnerable space when I was introduced to all these party drugs and I wanted to fit in, right? That was the biggest thing growing up as bipolar. I felt like an alien. And so I finally Mm -hmm. met this group of friends and I was like, I will do anything to be a part of this, which ended up being a lot of bad stuff, but yeah. I feel like it taught me the most important lessons I've ever learned about the importance of keeping yourself like through yeah. everything, knowing who you are, knowing what your morals are, knowing what you stand for, what you don't. Yeah. Yeah. You, you are absolutely correct. I know that, um, I definitely have an addictive personality and I, I, you know, there's some people that would say, Oh, I could never do that. I always feel like I'm like, 10 steps away if I do you know what I mean like I I can see that so I won't because some people are like well just have a drink or have I'm like I don't do things really in moderation so I'm not gonna do it at all because I I know myself and I just think and for those of you listening that are really struggling with substance abuse and I just, we we get it. We get it. This isn't to shame or to, um, yeah, judgment because the feeling of just wanting things to go away and the desperation and the struggle, we, we get it. And I just encourage you to reach out to someone um, and tell someone because it's only temporary, right? It's only temporary. And I want, and I'm sure you do too. I want so much more 
mm-hmm. for everyone that than that. And um, yeah, that's it just make my... you weak. It makes you no. a human being. And yes. you know, even if you did things that you're not proud of during your addiction, I always yeah. say I did what I could with what I had. Yeah. And so maybe I made mistakes, maybe I lost loved ones, maybe I cheated, lied. Yeah but I was doing what I had to do to survive. My mind was on survival mode. That doesn't justify damages that are done, but it does kind of give you the space to be like, okay, I'm human because you're never going to get clean. If you were hating yourself and trying to get clean, you've got to be able to kind of forgive yourself and start that healing journey so that you can do it. Because I tried to get clean while still hating myself and being angry at myself. Mm -hmm. And every time I'd get to a certain point, I'd self-sabotage because the person that I was getting clean for, I didn't really care about myself. And then once I started to slowly, but surely care more and more about my well-being, I was like, I don't want to relapse because I care about her and I don't want her to lose people, to lose jobs, to lose opportunities. I want better for her. And same for you guys. Like I want better for you. If you're sitting here, like, I'm so tired of my life slipping away and I'm tired of being in bed or I'm tired of missing out there is hope and you can overcome this. Your addiction is going to put up a fight, but like put on some boxing gloves. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, that's really beautiful. I love that. It's uh, I've worked really hard to separate it, even though it's very hard to kind of separate it a little bit and just have some compassion for, for my brain. Right. I, I remember my therapist had me talk to my anxiety and I'm like, this is hokey. This is whatever. And it was awesome because just thinking in these binaries of bad, good, or or I used to always think like healing is having none of these symptoms at all, which is impossible because I have an incurable illness. Right. And so once I could see that, um, my body anxiety, my brain was doing what it thought it should to protect me. Right. And so there was this moment where I was to, you know, talking to my anxiety and saying, Hey, like, I got this, I understand you're going to show up. I understand that you've done, you know, you were looking out for little Shaylee or, you know, Shaylee that was really struggling, but, um, you know, you don't have to have the front seat anymore. And I think when we can do that and think about it as parts that it isn't the, I feel that it takes away a lot of the shame because like you said, yes, there's accountability. It's not okay if I make uh, bad choices or treat people terribly, but it's also, it's extra hard for me in certain situations, especially like to be super kind. If I'm really hypomanic, it gives like an explanation. And also I can kind of think it's not like the core of who I am. It's not you. Yeah. That, so people ask me a lot on my podcast, like, why, why do you share your diagnosis so much? Like, is that helpful for you? Blah, blah, blah. And I always say, if we know what our diagnosis is, we can put separation. There is me, there's my diagnosis. I am not my bipolar episodes or my paranoia or my visualizations (laughs) or anything like that. I am Allison and bipolar is a part of me. It's something I live with, but it is not who I am. And so honestly, working and rocking my diagnosis helps me to heal and kind of put space in between it. And so a lot of people would think like, oh, you're overly identifying with it. But in my mind, I'm like, no, I'm just educating myself to the best of my ability so that I can treat myself and take care of myself. Yeah. Yeah. And embracing it. I remember same with medication, right? I found that I was kind of stuck in my head 
thinking, you know, this is temporary. When can I get off this? And that I was barely almost open to seeing that it was working. And as soon as I could accept, well, if it's helping, who cares if I have to take it the rest of my life? And I'm not minimizing for those that are listening that have severe um, like reactions or side effects. It is real. I have not woken up a single day feeling totally refreshed since I started taking certain meds. There are sacrifices, but for me, it, it is worth it. And so, yeah, I just think, yeah, the whole healing is not linear, right? It's like, we think that uh, I know me, I beat myself up and I'm like, we're back here. It's like, Oh, you're an advocate. You have this, like, we're here again. And it's like, no, of course we're here again right? This is, this is our brain and having some, some space to, to just breathe in that instead of always fighting it, right? Like I was just, I was just fighting it all the time. And I mean, I want to recognize too, that this is a much harder for some folks and that, um, you know, that I have a lot of privilege as a white cisgendered woman um, that helps me get the help I need. But um, there are programs out there and it's just my hope that people find a safe person and 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 get help. And I always say, like, I I'm not I refuse to be toxically positive. And I just I was I, just about to say that. Yes. <laughs> Tell me what you think about toxic positivity. Go. Oh, I was literally about to dive in and be like, you know, lately something I've been emphasizing on my platform is fuck this all or positive vibes only thing. Like no, we need all, to let vibes. That die. all vibes welcome, you know, because when we tell people you can only be positive, then they're yeah. going to feel terrible, terrible about themselves when they have a human experience or a human yeah. emotion. And the yeah. thing is we're on this planet to experience an array of thousands and thousands of emotions and experiences. And if we're all positive vibes only, we are keeping ourselves from being human and living the human experience. Even if you're not bipolar, you're going to experience highs and lows. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know, I see it in the coaching industry. A lot of people just being like, feel good 100,000% of the time. And I'm like, ah, feel however you need to feel right. Well, I'm not here to tell you how to feel. This is your life and your experience. If you need to cry, cry. If you need to scream, scream, you're a human. Yes. Break stuff. I'm into the, I want to go, not your own stuff. <laughs> I want to go to one of those smash rooms. I feel like that would be amazing. I've thought yeah. about it so many times. I think that like, I if know. I was super hypomanic or even like truly manic, just going and like yeah. smash, smash, because it's yeah. a safe environment. You can't get yes. hurt. Like it's things that you're supposed to be breaking. It's not your own stuff or anybody else's. And yeah, just find yes. those healthy outlets to get out those extreme feelings because I'm sure it's similar for you, but sometimes those feelings are so overwhelming that I'm physically just like shaking when I'm yes. manic. And I'm like, where do I put this energy? If I don't put it somewhere, I'm going to mm-hmm. go off the deep end and do God knows what. Um, I'm known yeah. to get up and move across the country. That's kind of my yeah. forte. Like I just, in the yeah. middle of the night, I'm like, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. My husband, one of our code words is there's this place. It's very hippie and small, but um, really it's got a vibe. And um, uh, my code word is like, we're moving to Bowen Island. He's like, okay, I know where (laughs) it's like my cry for help. It's like, we're moving. He's like, okay, let's see what, remember our coping strategies. And I'm actually, I'm working through that kind of in real time right now. Every time I've had an episode or a season change, I've always moved, but this time I'm making myself stay put. 
I'm signing my lease for six more months and I'm just focusing on stability. And once the six months is up, I'm going to move to the beach. It's going to be awesome. But in the meantime, I'm like these next six months, you're not going anywhere. You're going to sit your butt down. You're going to learn to keep all of your disorders, you know, taking care of all your symptoms in check. And then at the end of six months, you will have done something you've never done, stayed put and lived alone. Yeah. And then you will have grown and gotten so much more stable. Yeah. So now when you go to the beach, you can actually stay there and not move home after four months because you got yeah. so sick because that's actually what happened to me last year. I moved out to death Valley, California, yeah. went out there for four months, was living in the desert was awesome. But then I ended up super, super sick, had all of these unexplained symptoms and I ended up coming home after four months yeah. and the doctors checked everything. And they were like, this is like phantom symptoms. Like you do have extreme fatigue, you do have this and that, but this is like a mental health thing. And it made sense because I was on zero meds at the time and I was working 60, 70 hour weeks in the desert. And so my body and my brain were just like, we can't do this. We're done. And I crashed into like a really deep depression and came back Mm. home. And I went to an intensive outpatient program for about three or four weeks. And it was incredible. It was amazing. I met friends that I still talk to, to this day. I, it was my first time in a group setting like that. And yeah. so it's really amazing hearing other people share their stories and just being so supported. Like I'd come in and I'd be like, this day sucks. And people would be like, that's fine. You're allowed yeah. to feel that way. Whereas in yeah. some of my circles, you know, I'll walk in this day sucks. And it's like, come on, turn that frown upside down. Like there's mm. so many reasons to be thankful. And it's like, yeah, yeah. we do. But also we don't want to minimize the uncomfortable yeah. and less than great feelings because they're also a part of this life. Yeah, exactly. I love that because I refuse to say I'm fine when I'm not fine. I have learned who, how far to go with certain people. Um, but all I have other things like, I'll be like, well, I'm here. <laughs> right. I'm or we're to. January. Like I'll, <laughs> if it's someone that doesn't feel like if they feel like a good vibes only person. And then if it's someone that really like are, you know, do you really want to know? And then if we have time, right. And I feel like it gives so much space for others to be able to do that, that I didn't expect that I expected to be a Debbie Downer or like, uh, yeah, I just, I I would beat myself up later. Like, oh, they're going to not like you or whatever. Cause you're so, um, you know, you're, you're just so negative, but I found that it really gives people space. And one of my favorite things, and, um, my friends and I do this where I used to always feel like when I was really depressed that like things like have a great day or make this week. Awesome. I felt like that was like aggressive. And I felt like I can't talk to you next week because I didn't make it good or whatever. So my friends and I say, have a day, whatever that looks like, or have a Christmas or whatever. And I feel like it's my kids laugh at me and make fun of me, but I feel like for me, there's space in that. And I know I can come back to that person and I don't have to make stuff up. Amen. Preach, preach, preach. It's resonating (laughs) so much with me right now. I'm like, this is exactly what I'm going through. And I've had to kind of learn the balance too, because one of the things with my BPD is trauma dumping. And I've had to really Uh, overcome and learn the balance of, okay, someone asked you how you are. Yes. Like, who is it to you? Is this a close friend? Is this someone you should be telling this stuff to? And how Mm. can you first, A, ask space, be like, do you have the space to hear this? If the answer is no, we're not going to talk about it. If you do have the space, then great. I'll thank you and tell you what I can, but maybe not all of the details because I used to just be like, 
oh, call my friends and just like yeah. wailing and telling them all of my problems. And then I eventually got to a position where I was on the receiving end of that. And yeah. it shook me awake like crazy. I was like, oh my gosh, this girl is draining me. It's like energy vampire status. I cannot mm-hmm. keep getting these calls where we talk about her for half an hour and I don't get one word in. And then I was like, wait a second. I've seen this before. Wait, yeah. I do this. I do this all the time. And I was like, thank you universe for looking <laughs> out and for showing me what I look like because I didn't have that, yeah. that like vision of myself. I couldn't see clearly because oftentimes we can't see what's going on with ourselves, but in other people, it's clear as day. Yeah. And I find, do you find this in like hypomania? I find I'm very self-absorbed. I'm very like, I walk into a room and I take up all the space. Bam. It's me. They're all looking at me. Why wouldn't they be? Right. And I just like, I, I, I feel, yeah, I just feel like all of my things are the most important, the most intense and, and such. Um, yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I've noticed, um, with my hypomania is that a sense of urgency and a sense of, um, you know, immediate and, and I would love for you, if you experience that or to talk about, about that, I'm kind of, um, exploring, uh, what that looks like and how to deal with that in my experience. Yeah. I would say, so a, a recent uh, example was when I was living in Death Valley, my partner started noticing me when I was having these hypomanic moments at night where I would start writing on little like post-it notes and mm. I was placing them all over the walls and the walls were like covered with post-it notes and I just could not stop. He was like, what are you doing? And I was like, this is a to-do list for this. These are my goals for this year. This is for this quarter. And he was like, Allison, let's just go get dinner. Let's just get a bite to eat. And then you can come back. And I'm like, hell no, we are not stopping this. If I stop this, I won't start again. We have to finish this. And so I would stay up through the night like that. Yeah. My partner would be like, Allison, you have to take a drink, do something. And there was just like the sense of urgency. Like you said, like I have to do everything right now. Nothing can wait. And so my advice for dealing with that is listen to your people, listen to your loved ones. When they say, Hey, you need a drink. They're not trying to sabotage you. They're not out to get you. I know it can feel that way. They really just want you to have a drink, you know, try not to read too much into people telling you to take a break. Yeah. Usually they have good intentions and usually they just want to see you rest. So you don't burn out and it is safe to take those breaks. And you know, this is tough love, but if you don't take those breaks, the breaks are going to take you. They're going to take yes. you out. Like yes. you will burn out eventually if you're not taking time for things like drinking water or yes. stretching, moving your body a little, taking time away from your phone. And so even if it's hard, take, take, take breaks. Even if you yeah. feel that sense of, I must do it right now, because I found in my experience that when I'm making decisions out of that place of desperation and impulsivity, I'm not making choices that serve my highest good. I'm not, I'm making choices that are quick, that are fast, but guess what else is quick and fast? Like in and out burger. Would you rather have that or a (laughs) five-star dinner at a steak restaurant? Right. Yeah. 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 That's so true. And I, I know I heard it over and over again. And I remember um, therapists that didn't really understand bipolar were telling me when I was still just getting better, like meditate, do this, do that. It felt so overwhelming to me and so annoying and so whatever. So I say, start small, start small. And to this day, I cannot meditate alone. I pay somebody because I can to do we do it on zoom just because it's per like just because she lives farther away but 
um, personal one-on-one because if I'm in a class, I'll fall over because I'm not paying attention and I pair, we do yoga, but also that is the time that I meditate. And if I wasn't guided and if I didn't one want to show up because I paid and two, um, I have accountability because it's just me showing up. That's, um, that's the only way I can really meditate. And even to this day, I try, like, she's like, there's, you know, a few more songs on the playlist, just take as much time as you need with your Savasana. And I'm like, did she turn it off? Yeah. Like I, I, it's really, really hard. So don't feel bad about yourself. Cause I used to beat myself up about it and maybe you'll never meditate for a long period of time in your own, but you know what? Taking a deep breath, 60 seconds can like, can help you, um, regroup. Do you know what I mean? It resets your nervous system. I get a lot of very dysregulated callers on the suicide prevention hotline. Obviously that's why they're calling. And a lot of times I'll be like, I know this sounds cheesy and you're probably not going to like it, but I want to do some deep breaths with you before we go on. And sometimes people are like, no, it's not going to work. But sometimes they're like, fine. Okay. We'll try it. And I lead them through three or four breaths and they're like, whoa, I can actually breathe. I didn't know that worked. And I'm like, well, usually we don't know it works because we're so like against it because we're the, like my generation, especially we're the microwave generation. We're all about that instant gratification, that immediate feel better. You take a pill 15 minutes later, you're fixed. But like what we don't realize is there's actually some like instant gratification from breath work too. Mm -hmm. It isn't just long-term it's pretty instant. If you actually stop and take the time to do Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I used to think like, this is so big. Like what I am feeling is so big and so hard or so intense. I used to think like, surely something easy, like breathing isn't going to help. Or I, you know, like I was almost felt like it was invalidating my, the bigness of my experience. And, and so I did a lot of like in my in head work and I feel like what I'm um, leaning into and what I've looked at at some of your work, I'd love to talk about like embodiment. And I think that I'm really exploring that because I think that we um, we tend to get outside our, our bodies. I know I do because I'm so stuck in my head and I would love to hear your thoughts on, yeah, embodiment practices or yeah just what you think about that about releasing emotions um if you've learned anything or tried anything let me know so I don't I don't specifically know about embodiment can you explain oh yeah so fancy word for um like doing practices to release emotions through movement or through Ah, yeah 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 it's just I just use the fancy word the fancy word. I love it. We're fancy at this show. I love it. So I would say for me, um, yoga, huge one, huge, Mm. huge one is yoga. I have found, so my human design is I'm a generator. If you guys know what human design is, it's kind of like astrology, but a little Mm. bit more specific and it's awesome. You should go. There's a line. I know what yours is, but I read that generators, if they get into bed when they're still anxious or they still have energy from the day, it will manifest into anxiety. And so mm-hmm. I noticed every night I was hopping in bed and I was just like, what's going on? And so I started this thing where I get out of bed. I do some actually pretty intense yoga. I'll do some like challenging positions, get my heart rate up. And then I get back into bed and it's like, 
calm. I just moved all of that anxious energy out of my body. I'm also very big on massage therapy. If you can afford to get a massage, or if you know somebody who's willing to give you one, it can be incredibly healing and restorative, especially if you hold a lot of tension and stress in your body. I got one for a sponsorship a few weeks ago and the girl was working her way down my arms. And I felt this like tense, you know, that feeling of like, if you fall asleep on your leg or like, yeah, I felt that. And it was like the stress and the tension. And she was literally moving it down my body. And I felt it like moving. And she was like, okay, now I'm going to pull out this energy. And I was like, take it. Yes. Take it, please. Yeah. I think you brought up something really important when you said like yoga power moves and heart moves. I think some advice that's given just generally to mental illness population doesn't help us in some ways. So most people would say, do a calm one or lie still or whatever. But you're saying like it, because it's so intense, sometimes the thing you have to do is intense because I feel like then my insides match the outside. So I like, I don't listen when I'm feeling anxious or overwhelmed or hypomanic, I don't put on like soft piano music. I go in my car and I play like, heavy rock or like, you know, just mad or just intense music. Very, very, very loud. A lot of people say that's not relaxing, but you know what? It works out of me. And so I think it's really important to, you know, find a therapist or find things that work for you. Cause I used to always think, tell me if you've thought this or, or not. I used to always think there was like the right way or the normal way to do the thing, the things that would help. And they didn't work. Mm-mm. I was the same way I tried. And I do like slow flow yoga here and there, of course, but yes. when I'm doing it manic, I might as well yeah. not be doing anything because I'm sitting right? there with my head spinning. Yeah. And I found that it's like you said, the inside matches the outside. If I go for a run, that's actually more productive for me than doing like calming breath work. But yeah. there are other times like when I'm anxious that breath work is exactly what I need. So it's totally what you need. And it's what you mm. need in that moment because what we need shifts and changes so quickly. Yes. And yes. And that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It does. And I, I think sometimes I get confused, like, well, why isn't this working? And then I remind myself it's bipolar, like two opposite. So of course, of course, something, uh, you know, like the calm would work at a certain time and the heavy metal car angst would work another time. And I think um, I used to be afraid to try a lot of things, but I think as long as they're safe, right, and you have accountability, you know, um, try try different things and to suppress things like loud music when you need it. It's I, I don't know. I think I think it's OK. Um, I love I, yeah, I love that. Okay. I have to look, I always, (laughs) so we have uh, a few more minutes left and then I'm actually going to do some bonus questions with Allison. So, um, once I tell you where you can get that, I'm going to want you to listen to that. I've got some goodies. You guys are going to want to get in on this. I've got some goodies. I know she's saving it folks. She's saving it. Um, there will be, it's coming soon sometime in the next little while it's on brand bipolar that I'm not going to promise a date, but there will be some sort of membership. So I'm really bummed with that, but Before we move on to that, I would love to hear from you what two things, 
what is the most beautiful thing or beautiful words that someone has ever said to you when you're struggling? And then if we could end with something that you would say to encourage um, or meet someone where they're at that's struggling right now. Okay, perfect. So wait, the first one. Oh yeah, two-parter. My brain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Two-parter, sorry. So first one, something someone's done for you or said to you. Second one, I'd love to hear what you would say to someone. What I would say, amazing. So what was said to me, actually, this was a few days ago on a call and the caller had no idea I was struggling because I obviously do not let someone in crisis know that I'm also having my own mental health stuff come up. And at the end of the call, I was just like, thank you so much for calling. You you are so brave. You are making a difference. And they're like, they use my alias. They're like, so-and-so you are making a difference. Like you don't understand how many lives you're affecting and how many lives you're saving job. They were like, I've called suicide hotlines thousands of times. And I've never had such a good, safe conversation. I've never had somebody hold space mm-hmm. like this for me. So your voice is changing lives. And I just started crying. I was like, thank you. Here are your resources. <laughs> you can call us back anytime. <laughs> I love that so much. Beautiful. And they were young. It was like an under 18. And so it really just like got, got to my mm-hmm. heart. It feels good. And then what I would say to you, if you are sitting here and you're like, man, what an uphill battle this is about to be. What a climb you are ready for it. Okay. Even if you don't feel ready for it, even if it's terrifying to even think about getting out of bed tomorrow, you were born for this. You were born to get through these highs and lows. You were born to get through addiction recovery or your mental illness or whatever it is, you are going to get through it. Even if that means taking some days off and having some tough days or some mental health days, don't let that discourage you because you were made wonderfully and very on purpose. You were made purposefully and the earth needs every single one of you who's listening to this. So don't try to bounce early. We need you here. Yes, yes. All the yeses. Yeah. And I really just love that you said that because it's, it's never too late. It's never too late to, to reach out. It, it just really isn't. And I just, that is, that is my greatest hope. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so, so much. We are best friends now. So <laughs> we are, we're, when I popped on the zoom, I was like, oh my gosh, you have red hair too. We are the same. <laughs> I love that. I love that. It um I come on here and I am just so filled and it's just so healing for me and then being in the presence of someone that truly gets it is such a gift. So I just wanted to thank you for being here. Thank you for what you are putting out in the world. Thank and- you, Kaylee. Thank you. Thank you for having me and for allowing me to come share my story. I love getting the opportunity to do this and to be on this side of the interview is like really special to me. So yeah, just thank you for sharing. This has been such a special conversation. Yeah. And if you want to learn more about Allison and hear more, I'll put all her handles and all the things she does um, in the show notes and go listen to her podcast because she is doing amazing things there. Awesome. This is Bipolar. Thanks again for tuning in. You can find video versions of This Is Bipolar on our YouTube channel. We also have all our previous and soon-to-be future episodes of the podcast on Apple, Podbean, Spotify, and Google Play. We spend most of our time on Instagram 
at this.is.bipolar. There is a vibrant community there where we have conversations and post different ideas and different strategies and we'd just love for you to join us there. It is so helpful if you enjoy our work or think it would be helpful to someone if you could like and share and save and follow us in all or any of those spaces. If you're a listener for the podcast, if you could leave a review, we would be forever grateful. Again, thank you for being here with us. Let's get the word out. Let's share lived experiences so that we can change the ideas that people have about bipolar and help those of us that live with it feel less alone. This is bipolar.